0: It's so good to be with you guys. I'm excited for the word I have for you this morning. Um, but first, I was wondering do we have the little video of Levi back there? Because I wanted to show you some. Uh-huh. I've been thinking too much. so that's our two and a half year old Levi and this is Lucas right here seven months pregnant which is very exciting and also if I sound like I smoke cigarettes I haven't smoked one in 15 years that's great news but I do have a bit of a cold so just bear with me this morning okay does that sound good all right So Cody last week preached this awesome message on the gospel and being able to share the good news with people in your life. And so this week, this message is actually good deeds. And I'm going to be sharing with you this morning about how your life is meant to impact others. But how about we pray? I just did traffic, so how about pray? (laughs) Jesus, we just thank you so much for who you are, God. And Father, we just take a moment to settle in. And, Lord, I thank you for every person in this room and every person watching online. And I thank you, God, that they've come here to hear from you. And I pray, Lord, that you would use my words this morning to minister, to comfort God, and to mobilize your people. And I just ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so if you brought your Bibles, why don't you go with me to Matthew 5 give you a minute to get that. Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16. It says, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot passage of scripture from Jesus. It's actually part of the famous Sermon on the Mount. And even if you're new to church today, maybe it's your first time attending or you're coming for the first time in a long time, you may have heard about the Beatitudes or the Sermon on the Mount. It's a beautiful, rich passage. It's three chapters in the Bible where Jesus is encouraging us and comforting us and defining and redefining who he is and who we are in this world. It was meant to teach us how to shine, how to thrive in difficult climates, how to, how to continue to move forward in our lives in spite of the mess and the stress of life. Three chapters of Jesus giving us a glimpse beyond religion and into the reality that's possible, the wonder and the grace and the awe that's possible through a relationship with God. He turns everything on his head through this one sermon. And you know what I love? Is that he does not shy away from any difficult topics. Anger, adultery, divorce, revenge, loving our enemies, keeping our promises, caring for the poor, prayer, not judging others, ooh, hate that one. The Old Testament law, what makes a true disciple, how to build your life on a solid foundation, He doesn't shy away from anything that's difficult. He wants us to live a life of strength, which is what he's helping us do. He's teaching us to stand up and care about others. He's teaching us to stand up in this world. He's teaching us how to live out our purpose and our calling. We matter, we count. And he's helping us discover who we are in the world, giving us wisdom and direction to live that out. You are salt you are light let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father anybody need some good deeds good deeds are needed in our world today when you see someone do something a good deed when you see them do something it gives you hope it gives you a sense that humanity is still good look at us yes we're still good It gives you hope for the future. It gives you encouragement. And sometimes those good deeds just make you go, wow, why would you do that? The only way it's possible for you to do that must be something bigger than you are. It points people to God. And I love that before Jesus even got to the let your good deeds shine part, he told us who we are. You are salt. You are light. One thing I love about Jesus is that he just knew how to talk to people. He knew how to speak the language of the day. So when he would often tell stories or talk about things like salt and light, it would have immediately jarred an image in the hearer's minds. Kind of like if I was to talk to you about train traffic or social media's influence in your life, immediately you might picture yourself scrolling through Facebook this morning before you got here, or maybe getting on the train. You would immediately connect the two. And that's actually what Jesus is doing here in this passage. He knew that they would immediately connect because salt was very meaningful during the day of Jesus, just like it is now. Salt does three things. Salt seasons, salt preserves, and salt is an ingredient for fuel. We are purposed to season the environment that we're in. And we are called to preserve faith. And we are called to extend the fire of the Holy Spirit by mixing ourselves in with the world around us so that a flame can be lit. In Jesus's day, salt was a leveling agent, which just simply means that it would provide consistency and thickness. And what they would do is take salt and mix it with animal manure. Are you awake this morning? Animal manure, are you good? Okay, I'm just checking. Nobody's grossed out, and I'm glad. <laughs> They'd mix it with animal manure and they would make patties. And they would take those patties and they would put them out in the sun to dry. And then once they were fully dried, they would provide a combustible reaction when lit that would then light up the ovens that they had outside and keep a flame burning. And because of that, the salt caused it to burn brighter and burn longer. And that's what Jesus is saying to us You are salt. He's called us to be leveling agents in this world. He's called us to provide consistency and thickness and mix ourselves in with the mess and the manure of life so that we can extend the flame of the Holy Spirit and so that we can provide an example for others who may be trapped in a bunch of mess that they don't want to be in about what it looks like to shine. You are salt. What's interesting about salt is that it's not flammable unless it's mixed with something. It's not flammable unless it's mixed with something. So basically Jesus is saying, if you are unwilling to mix yourself in with the mess of others, mix yourself in with the world around you, mix yourself into things, then you are useless in advancing the purposes of the kingdom. And I don't know if you noticed this yet, but life isn't clean. Don't you wish it was? No matter how I organize my life, no matter how I you know, set up my day or set up my week, it's not clean. And even if I do everything perfectly, somebody else is jacking me up. Anybody else? What the heck? I did everything right. Why are you jacking me? Life is messy and relationships are messy. And if you're going to get into the pipelines of culture, whether it's entertainment or business or media or faith or whatever it is that God has called you to, the nonprofit world, it's messy. It is messy. It's not clean. And that is exactly what God intended. And when I think about Jesus, the Savior that we have, he was so willing To be in the mess. He was born, God perfect, perfect God, born into the mess of life. And when his birth came, it was a tumultuous time in history, tumultuous. And there was political uprisings, and there was upheaval all around, and many, many things that could have been devastating and terrifying for people. And he chose to be born into that mess. You know, Joseph and Mary were his parents, And when Jesus is about to be born, they're on the run. And they're on the run because King Herod misinterpreted what it meant that a Messiah was coming. He thought that that meant that Jesus was coming to overthrow his sovereignty, to overthrow his kingdom. And so King Herod ordered that every baby under the age of two would be killed. I'm mom of a two-year-old with a baby on the way, and I cannot imagine the fear and the anxiety that would have gripped that culture, the pain and the heartache and the nervousness and them trying to figure out what are we gonna do? How are we gonna hide our children so that they are not killed? And this is when Jesus enters the scene and he's on the run. His mom and dad are on the run. And when he's born, there's no place for him to be born. And so he's born into a stable. And you guys, I'm seven months pregnant. You're not about to put me on a donkey (laughs) and take me to a stable? and tell me to birth my baby. I think I'd be like, "Uh uh-uh, Jesus, I'm not not down for this one. Find another person. (laughs) I'm kidding, whatever you want. (laughs) But that's the conditions that he enters the world. And if you haven't had a baby yourself, or you've watched a lot of births on TV through movies, they make them look really clean and beautiful, and they hand them this like eight pound giant child that's perfect with nothing on them. And there's a lot of screaming that never actually really happens in real life. But birth is not clean. We are all born into blood and into water. And Jesus, this perfect God, born into this mess, saying to us, I'm not afraid of your mess. I'm not afraid of the mess of this culture. I'm not afraid of the mess of this day. I'm going to be born into it. I'm going to show you how to mix yourself in. And then he grows up. And he starts his ministry. And another beautiful thing that he does is that he's a rabbi in the day, and rabbis would get top pick of who they wanted to follow them. And he picks people nobody else wants. He picks the messy ones, the ones who are a little bit of a disaster, which comforts me greatly. (laughs) A fisherman, a tax collector, a doctor, regular, normal, ordinary people. And in fact... In the book of Acts, it talks about this. It says, in 413, book of Acts, he calls them unschooled and ordinary men. Unschooled, ordinary men. I'm so thankful, because I'm two of those things. Unschooled and ordinary. And how beautiful of Jesus to say, I'll use you anyway. And at the end of that scripture, it talks about how everyone could tell that they had been with Jesus. And that's the thing that really matters. He wanted us to see through his life, through the life of his disciples, through this passage of scripture, that mess is good, it's life. We cannot live a perfect, clean life. It's messy, it's messy. You are salt. You know, when I came to Christ as an adult, I was, I don't even know how to tell you, beyond repair, I think would be a good choice of words. I was a train wreck. And I say that literally with no fear, no condemnation, no sense of shame about it. It just literally is the truth. I was struggling with an eating disorder. I was wrestling with drugs and alcohol. I was caught up in some pretty terrible relationships and I was shackled in chains from my past. And I had stories of abuse that I had never told. I was wrecked with guilt from some of the decisions that I made. And you know what God did in my life? He sent other believers to mix themselves in with me. He sent them to mix in with me. I would go out at nighttime and party and drink and do drugs and be crazy and just FYI, I do not recommend any of what I'm about to tell you as a a great outreach strategy. I'm just telling you that this is part of my journey. It's part of my life story and not everyone can do what they did and remain faithful to Christ, so I know that. But they would come out with me at nighttime And I would rage hard, and then they would drive me home, drink Diet Coke and drive me home. And then they started inviting me to dinners and inviting me to coffee and spending time with me and just loving on me for no reason whatsoever. They never even once invited me to church, just got to know me. And you know what? They were more concerned with having a relationship with me than they were about converting me. And that is what changed my life. Because I got to see that God is a God who will walk with you that God is a God who loves you. That God is a God who will receive you in your mess, be with you in your mess, and that he doesn't ask you to change your life before you come to him. And that is what my friends showed me. Good deeds with an agenda, it won't change anybody. But loving and caring relationship will. It has the power to do that. And you know what else I learned from them? Is that they had a faith that worked. I mean, how are you gonna come out with me at nighttime? And and I'm partying like a crazy person. You're drinking Diet Cokes and you staying saved? What's happening in your faith walk? Because I don't have that. (laughs) And it showed me that there's another way. And I wanted what they had. They had a freedom. They had a joy. They had something so carefree about them. And I wanted what they had. So you know what? We gave you Easter cards when you came in. So please, for the love of God, invite people out. Invite them to church. Bring them with you. But at the same time, don't forget to care for them, to love them, to meet them where they are, to see a practical need and do something about it. Because loving kindness and relationship and a good deed goes a long way to get people to connect with the Father. Just like God sent people to me, God is sending you to others. And so what are you waiting for? They are sitting next to you in the cubicle at work. They're helping you build your company. They're learning alongside you at school. They're playing with their kids in the park right beside you. They're sleeping in the same building as you. They're waiting in jail cells and in strip clubs and on street corners holding signs and in low-income classrooms and in homes where they have everything they could ever imagine except real love and relationship. They are waiting for us. They're waiting for us to rise up, not to come along and be their Savior, but to come alongside them and show them the Savior. They're waiting for us. And you know what else I learned, you guys? God is God all by himself. Anybody grateful about that? All by himself, he's God. And the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. So all we have to do is show up. It just takes the pressure off. You just show up and get active in people's lives and start asking them, the second and third question on your job. Maybe when you say, how are you? They say, fine, but you know, you know in here something's not right. Ask another question, love on them. Start hearing what people are not saying to you. Start going places that make you feel uncomfortable. Break out of your circle, get to know others. Get a burden for something that scares the crap out of you and go do something about it. And if you've been a believer for a long time, it's very easy to forget the stakes. It's very easy to live without a sense of urgency. It's very easy to just start turning up for church and then having your work life and your church life and your friend life and none of them being interconnected. But God designed our life to be interconnected. Our life, every area can minister and love and care for people. are you getting tired of having a faith that doesn't make a difference? A faith that you feel like doesn't go much further than the four walls of the church? A faith that doesn't go really beyond your quiet time in the morning. It's not impacting people on your job. It's not impacting people that you run into. Church, when are we going to get tired? Because the stakes are high and it's urgent and it matters and your life counts and you matter to other people. There are people in your life who need to see God through you. They need to know what you've gone through so that they can overcome. They need to see how to live a life that they want to live, that they were designed to live, that they were created to live. You know, that happened to me. I got tired of living a faith that just didn't count much. And I had a choir leader at my old church. We had this beautiful rehearsals in it. At our rehearsals, we would take time with the Holy Spirit and allow God to heal. Because how many of you know that sometimes it's just in his presence that God delivers and heals and restores. Like you just need to get in his presence. And so we would do that on a weekly basis. And for the first couple of years, I would be on my knees crying out to God, crying because I had so much recovery that I needed to do and healing that I needed to do. And about two years into that, my choir leader came and he just gently put his hands on me and he said, Ashley, it's time to get up. It's time for you to start noticing people who are where you were two years ago. It's time for you to get up. You've had a lot of love in your life, sister. Now you need to start giving away what you've been given. And that was a gift to me. It was a gift. And so I did. I started opening my eyes. I started looking around. I started asking God to show me how to pay attention to the world around me, how to pay attention to others. I started a group at the time called Breaking the Silence because I needed a safe place to take my mask off, to stop pretending, to stop faking it. Anybody else? I get so tired of that. I don't want to be fake anymore. I'm done. And so I created a group, that one group, was filled with all kinds of different people, different women. You know, we had women who were homeless, women who were in the sex industry, women who just had had an incredible upbringing, but just for whatever reason, struggled to be honest. And that one group turned into eight groups all over the city. And then God started giving me a burden for justice. He started showing me the heart that he has for justice that he cares about that. Do you know in the Bible, there are over 300 scriptures about justice, about the poor, about the marginalized, over 300. It's not a side job for God. It's not a side hustle for the church. Justice is not some trend that's out there. Justice is the heart of our Father. He wants to see justice outworked on the earth. And you know, I always thought that people who did a bunch of justice works, You know, I needed to be a social worker, or I needed to have some big, massive degree, or I needed some type of connection to the government, or I needed this type of connection to be able to do anything. But you know what? Since the beginning of time, all God has ever done is used ordinary, unschooled people like me and like you. (laughs) You don't have to have it all together to make a difference. My best friend started a, a nonprofit that Cody talked about last week called Treasures. She started it 12 years ago. And that was actually my first you know, entry point into the justice world. And Treasures is an outreach to women in the sex industry and support group as well. And so we showed up and we just started putting literally, probably the ugly, ugliest flyers you've ever seen in your life. They're hideous. I mean, we just printed them off and folded them in half. It was really bad. But we put them on people's cars, the women who were in the clubs. And then slowly but surely, we started doing that every month, reaching out to women. And after a couple years, started hearing from women. And then another year went by and we, she started a nonprofit. And then before we know it, we're 12 years down the track and Treasures has seen over hundred leaders trained in over 120 cities across five continents. The same thing we started doing 12 years ago. Who can do that? Who can provide a ripple effect like that except for God? Ordinary people like you and I, that he uses to do incredible things. And don't ever underestimate a couple of people getting together and saying, I see that, and I'm going to do something about it. Don't underestimate the power that you have in a small group of people who want to make a difference. You might not know how. You might not know all the answers. You might not even know how you're going to execute anything God's asking you to do, but you can You can because God calls you to. And five years ago, I heard from Brian Stevenson,
1: who was the executive
0: director of the Equal Justice Initiative. And his main focus is mass incarceration. And I learned about the criminal justice system and God started giving me a burden for those who were incarcerated or formerly incarcerated. And I felt the whisper of the Holy Spirit say, you must act. This one is not optional. You must do something. And so here's what I didn't do. I didn't go to my church or to a nonprofit or to a person I thought was really awesome and say, hey, you should start something with mass incarceration because I want to join it. (laughs) God didn't call them, God called me. So I had to do my own praying and my own researching and my own reaching out and my own understanding of the issue and then sure enough, it happened that I had a connection in the LAPD because I worked a lot with them in Los Angeles And then he was a chaplain for the actual police force. And I called him and I said, what am I gonna do? I got a burden for this. I have nowhere to put it. And he said, funny that you should call because three weeks ago, we started an interfaith program that the department has never done before. And we're looking for chaplains. Would you apply? Yes, I would. (laughs) So God will make a way when he gives you that whisper, when he gives you that burden, he will make a way. You just act, you just show up, you take one step, and those good deeds go a long way. You know, Walter Brueggemann, who's an Old Testament scholar, says that one of the biggest issues in the church today is that we have separated the love of God from the love of neighbor. We were never created to be disconnected. We were created to love God and love each other. And our connection matters. It's, it's meant from God for it to be connected. And you guys, we're arrogant to believe that God is only alive in the church. I have seen his face in jail cells, and I have seen his face in strip clubs, and I have seen his face in coffee shops and grocery stores and every other place you can imagine, in homes. He's powerful. He's working all the time in everything, in everyone. And God wants us to be part of that. You are salt. So, where are you mixing into the mess of life? What is one thing that you could do this week to make a difference in the lives of others? And Jesus says that you're not just salt, but you're light. You're not just salt, but you are light. Verse 14 says, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, A lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. So because salt was that fuel ingredient, immediately that would have conjured up a picture of salt and of light. So I want to take it just one step further this morning because I learned some things about light this week that I thought were very interesting. So light is made up of photons. And light has momentum, but no mass. Light has momentum, but no mass. Momentum, but no mass. And it was like, pow. Anybody ever have those moments where this light bulb pops on? Cody, will you come up here and help me? I have a bag of rocks because I wonder if we don't have traction in some of the areas of our life that we want to see because we were created to have momentum and no mass. And we've been carrying around weight that is hindering us from getting traction, hindering us from having momentum, hindering us from moving forward in the thing that God has purpose for us. I wonder this morning what you came in here with. You can leave them in, babe. It's fine. It's fine. It's, it's, it's all good. You can just hold Yeah, put that one back. We should have practiced this. <laughs> but You know, I think sometimes we find ourselves so weighed down by our issues and challenges and problems that we can't even lift our eyes to see anybody else. And I think we got a bag of rocks. Our past. You just don't know what I've gone through. You have no idea what I've been through. Our anxiety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that my coworker needed some encouragement last week, but I do too, okay? So I don't have time to encourage them because I need encouragement. Fear, it's a big one. I'm scared of God that I don't matter, that I don't count. I can't even get my eyes off myself for one second because I just feel so afraid about everything. My shame, the things that have happened to me. I feel so ashamed, so embarrassed. I can't move forward. My finances, we're barely making ends meet. How am I supposed to be generous? Or, on the flip side, I've worked so hard for everything I have, why would I give it away? My judgment, well, obviously, if they just did better for themselves, they'd be in a better place. My prejudice. Everybody knows that those people are just that way. I'm not going to help them. My time, big one here. I don't have any time. I have nothing left to give. I have no more margin in my life. My responsibilities. God, I prayed for all this stuff, and now I have it. But my life has become so insular because I'm so focused on keeping it all. And then the biggest one, my unforgiveness. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know how bad that hurt. It's not fair, I don't wanna forgive them, I don't wanna let go. (laughs) And we're trying to move and we're trying to gain traction, and we're trying to move forward, but we're stuck because it's so heavy. It's like a weight on our shoulder, a weight on our back, and we're unable to see others. We're unable to move and have the mobility that God wants us to have. And yet we hear Jesus saying, you are light. Go and be the light. But we can't move because of all the weight we're carrying. And it's difficult to deal with. God, what about my fear? What about my anxiety, God? What about, what about, what about, what about? And he's like, hey, let it go. Let it go. Put it down. And church, I've been there. I've been there where my light was underneath the basket because all my light was focused right here. No light was going out because I needed to give this so much attention. All this weight, all these problems, all these issues got all my light. None of it got focused out. And so I've been there with you. And I say this so lovingly and gently, you guys. It's time to let it go. It's time to get over ourselves. It is time for the church of Jesus Christ to rise up and be the church that we were created to be, making a difference on this earth so that we can respond like Christ to the world around us, to the chaos, to the mess, so that we have a response. It's time to let it go. Hebrews 12 says, Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off every weight that slows us down, and let us throw off every sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run our race with perseverance. So, what do you need to let go of this morning? What is the mass that you're carrying that's hindering your momentum? How have you buried the light in your life? How? Cuz you're salt and you're light. And we've got to let our good deeds shine so that everyone will praise our heavenly father. And God has good things for you to do. Good deeds. Ephesians 2:10 says you are God's workmanship created anew in Christ Jesus to do good deeds that he planned in advance before you ever got here. God has creative and innovative things for you to do. God has works of strength, things that will make a difference in your life and in the lives of others. And it's not just so that we feel good about what we're doing, although there's nothing wrong with that. Feeling good about what you're doing is a natural byproduct of doing what you love. But it is so that other people will look at your life and see God. Look at you and see God. Look at you and see God. Your purpose to show people that they have a father in heaven who loves them. That the mess and the muck of life does not have to be what hinders us and keeps us down. God is with us in our mess and he helps us overcome. I want to read Matthew 5 to you in the message version because I think it paints a really good picture as we close. Let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on the hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. And now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, Shine, keep open house, be generous with your lives. And by opening up to others, you'll prompt others to open up to this generous father in heaven. So you are salt and you're called to mix yourself in with the mess of life. And you are light. You were created to run with momentum and no weight hindering you. You're God's masterpiece, his masterpiece, and he has incredible good deeds for you to do. And it's time for us to be generous with our lives, to open our hearts up to God, to open our hearts up to others so that people can see the Father. Thank you for listening to the Liberty Church Podcast. If you are in New York City or will be visiting the New York area soon, please be our guest on Sunday. For service times and locations, please visit libertychurchnyc.com.